Amen. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God that loves us no matter what. (laughs) We'll be in Psalm 51 if you would like to turn there. The title of the message is Restore to Me the Joy of Your Salvation. That was King David's plea, if you would. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. So that's where we're going to be headed today in in Psalm 51. When my dad was alive, you would ask him, "What what did the preacher preach on Sunday morning? And his stock answer was always sin. And that's how he said it. And I think Rhonda will vouch for you that the that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because pretty much every time she asks me what the message is about, that's, that's my response. Sin. Well, the message is not all about sin today. The message is going to be about confession. It's going to be about repentance. It's going to be about restoration and how much God loves us and desires for his children to come back to him, if you would. You know, the word confession means to agree with. And we use that word quite a bit in, in, in Christian lingo of, of confession. And, and basically all it means is when you confess, you are agreeing with God that you have done X, whatever, whatever X might be. And when we are in the business of confession, we must also be in the business of repentance. Because, see, repentance means turning away from that confessed sin. It means not embracing that sin you just confessed, but it means walking away in the opposite direction from what you have just confessed. We know unconfessed sin does not affect a truly born-again believer's eternal security. We know that. When we, we know that we are eternally secure when we are truly been born again. So what does unconfessed sin do in the life of a believer? Well, it affects your fellowship with Holy God. When we allow unconfessed sin in our lives, our fellowship is broken. Our pipeline, if you would, to to the Lord has been shut off. Your, your pipeline of blessing has been hindered quite a bit. And if you would just think about a, a, a clogged drain, if you would, okay? And we've all had them, and if you've got rental property, you've got them all the time. And you have this clogged drain, and, the, and you put water down it, and it won't, it won't go away, will it? It just kind of just sits there, and the more water you put on it, the more it just keeps piling up in the sink. But once you get that clogged cleaned out, and you get all that junk moved out of there, then what happens when you turn the water on? That just, the water just flows away, gets, gets gone. And I suggest to you that is the same way it is for you and I when we have unconfessed sin in our lives. It, our, our pipeline, if you would, is clogged. And once we begin the practice of confession and repentance, then that clogged drain now opens up, and God is now free to bless us and do what he wants us to do. When our fellowship is broken with holy God, did you know it affects your joy? It affects your peace. 
It affects your desire to pray. It affects your desire or your delight in the things of the Lord. You just don't want to be a part of that. It affects the way you trust other people. Did you know that, that broken fellowship with God will affect your relationships that you have? It can affect your relationship with your spouse, uh, your relationship with your children. It can rela- affect your relationship with your friends. Unconfessed sin, fellowship broken with God can affect those things, and it can affect uh, so many more. I mean, that list could just go on and on and on, but we don't want it to. And I believe that's what causes many Christians today to, to not experience joy in the Christian life, not experience the, the abundant life, if you would. Uh, it causes Christians to not feel like we're living a victorious life. And I believe it all goes back to this idea that we have unconfessed sin, that keeps piling up, piling up, and piling up. And we're going to look at King David today and see what, see what happened to him, okay? You know, I know, I, know we, I know we all pray. I get that. You know, but I think sometimes we pray and we, and, and we pray like this, God, please forgive me of my sins, okay? I mean, I'm just as guilty as anybody. Please forgive me of my sins. And usually that happens right before... I nod off to go to sleep. God, please forgive me of my sins. And then snoring. Well, no, that's her snoring, but that, that's beside the point. But you get the point. And, and we pray and we lump all these of our sins together. And God, please forgive me of my sins. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but I think sometimes we're kind of like, we're, we're like that uh, college freshman who goes off to college and, and he's got these dirty clothes there. And, and, and being a guy, he, he throws his dirty clothes up in a bundle and he puts them in a sweatshirt, and he takes the arms, and he ties them up together, and he's got this big bundle of, of dirty clothes, and he goes to the laundromat. He throws this big old bundle of clothes into the laundromat, not untying them or anything, just got the big bundle there, and he throws them in there, and, you know, tumble, 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 and they get washed, and he goes and gets this big bundle of clothes, and he puts them in a dryer, and they tumble, 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 and they get dry, and, and he gets, it, gets them out and out of the dryer, and he goes back to the dorm room, and and, and he opens up this big bundle. He unties the arms, and there's all of his clothes. And what he realizes is what? They're not clean. They've just all been bundled up together. And I'm afraid sometimes that is what we do as Christians, that we bundle up all of our sins. Please forgive me, God. And, and, and he, he can and he will. But we got to get to the point where we begin to unbundle those sins and we've got to begin to confess those things that we do wrong one by one you know the you know the, the, the song says you know count your many blessings one by one that's a great song but i suggest to you maybe we need to change that just a little bit and say we need to confess our sins one by one i mean if, if we ever want to grow in the lord if we ever want to get closer to the Lord, if we ever want to, to, to feel His presence, if we ever want to get to the point where, you know, God is on our mind like all the time, we need to be in the habit of confession, be in the habit of confessing those sins that we do. You know, I, you know Charles, Charles Spurgeon says it like this. Uh, he said, A Christian must never stop repenting because he never stops sinning. 
Okay? And there's a lot of truth to that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let those suckers pile up. Man, get, get them confessed. Get them cleaned up. And that's where the message is going today, I think. In Psalm 51, that's what we're going to be, we're going to be looking at. Okay? You know, you, you know the background of Psalm 51. You know, David, uh, King David is, has committed adultery uh, with Bathsheba. He's, he's had her husband killed. You know, some very strong, commercial-grade, industrial strength kind of sin. And, and, and I know you're sitting there and go, well, I, I've never done any of those, and I've, I would never do any of that, and, and I would never get to that, that grade of sin, if you would, but I believe the Bible tells us we still sin. Even though we have been born again, we still sin, and we still fall short, and we still do the same things that, he, that we're not supposed to. Sin for the unbeliever causes that person to be separated for eternity, doesn't it? For the wage of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Sin for the believer causes our fellowship to be broken and that pipeline of blessings to be slowed down, if you will. We know David, for almost a year, 11 months, I think the Bible says, he refused to acknowledge his sin. 11 months, refused to acknowledge his sin. He refused to acknowledge it. He wouldn't confess it. He just went about his business like, like nothing was happening. But in Psalm 32, he tells us what David was feeling like when he has this sin that just kept hounding him. And, and, and we read in Psalm 32 where he talks about, he said, you know, you know, he said, my body, because of my unconfessed sin, my body, he said, was just wasting away. And if you take a picture in your mind, if you would, of a, of a 200-pound, muscular, strapping kind of a guy... And then, you know, you look at him six months later and something is wrong with him and, and he's, he's lost 50 or 60 pounds and he looks like he's kind of just wasting away for whatever reason. I think that's what David was trying to get us to see. That, that because of his unconfessed sin, he, he said, my body was just wasting away. And he said, because of that, I, he said, I just groaned all day. I was just in pain all day. And he said, that it was as if God's heavy hand was upon me. Not his hand of blessing, but his hand of, of discipline was upon me. And he said, my energy level, my vitality was like I was out in, a, in some desert someplace. And I was just dry and I was just empty. And David would say, I was just miserable because I refused to acknowledge my sin. He said, you know, my sin affected me mentally, he said. Affects me physically. And it said, it even affected me spiritually. You know, if it affected David like that, I believe it can affect you and I like that too. And we don't want that, do we? We don't want that. You know, David said, where's the joy of my salvation? Well, I, we all want to have that joy of salvation. So let's see how he began to get that back, if you would. In verses 1 and 2, we will read this. And this is David's cry for forgiveness. And nothing wrong with crying out for forgiveness. Born-again believer, there's nothing wrong with crying out for forgiveness. Unbeliever, crying out for forgiveness. And we see what he, what he says here in verses 1 and 2. He says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. David knows where to go to cry out for forgiveness. 
He needs to go where? He goes to the Lord. And he said, I can't, I can't forgive myself. Only you, God, can really forgive me. And you forgive me because you are so gracious to me. You, you don't want to give me what I deserve. You are gracious to me because you, he says, you love me and you have such compassion for me. You know, even though David did what he did, he now will go to the Lord and say, man, I, I'm, I'm crying out to you, God. Get, be gracious to me, God, because you, I know you love me. I know you have compassion for me. And then he says, and then he says what? He says, please blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly and cleanse me from my sin. He's crying out for hope. He is a miserable kind of a person right here. And he says, blot out my transgression. And that's a picture of, David would understand this. That's a picture of, you know, in his mind he's thinking, okay, I know I've committed adultery. Yeah, God's, God's written that one down. Yeah, I had the guy murdered. Yeah, God's writing, writing that down. Yeah, yeah, I've been arrogant, prideful, and boastful. Yeah, I've, done, I've been conceited. Yeah, I've been rebellious. Yeah, and, and, and he knows in his mind, at least he thinks he is, that God's writing all this stuff down, all of his sins down. And yet, what is he saying? God, would you please, I'm crying out for forgiveness, would you please erase that list? God, would you please hit delete on your computer, God? Would you please just wipe those sins away from my record if you would please and that's what he's saying here blot that out and we know and we know from from psalms 123 12 that god does that he's going to take our sins and do what separate them from the east and the west and he says he he says blot them out god wash me and cleanse me you know what david's wanting at this point in his life he wants a new beginning he wants a he wants a fresh start he, he, wants, he wants to be able to stand before God in perfect harmony and perfect fellowship and say, God, I'm ready to move on. But I can't move on, God, until you extend forgiveness to me, until you are gracious to me, till, to, because of your loving kindness and your compassion. He said, I want a new start. Sometimes we just want a new start. Sometimes we've just blown it and we want a new start. That's what David is doing. He's crying out to the Lord. For a new, a new start. Verse 3. And I, and I like this. We're looking at David's confessions, if you would. He said in verse 3, he said, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me, and against you and only you I have sinned. What do we see there in those verses? And, and even in verses verses 2. When David's confession, he is not making any excuses. He's not blaming anybody. He's not pointing fingers at anybody because of his spiritual failures. What is he doing? He is owning up to them. He is owning that sin. It wasn't his, his wife made him do it. He's not blaming Bathsheba. He's not blaming Uriah. When he is coming for confession, he is saying, this is my transgressions, this is my iniquity, this is my sin. And if we truly want to be a man of God and a woman of God, when we approach Him in prayer and we approach Him in confession, we've got to own our sin because ultimately we have made that choice to sin. Not because the devil made me do it, if you would. It's because you chose to do that. David said, it's all on me. I own it. I know I did it. And he said, I know it is because he said, my sin is ever before me. I can't seem to get rid of it. I can't seem to, can't, can't seem to shake it, if you would. 
He said, my sin is ever before me. And then in verse 4, he says, he says, you are justified, God, when you speak and blameless when you judge. He said, God, I can't argue the point with you. I can't argue that, that I'm going to blame somebody else. I can't argue the point that, that, that the devil made me do it. God, you are God and I am not. And God, you, when you speak, God, you are blameless. God, when you judge, you are perfect. God, when you say and convict me of my sin, God, I have nothing to stand on because I know you are just, just and I know that you are blameless. Man, what a way to approach God. That is a, a, approaching Him with a humble and a, and a contrite heart. That you're God and I'm not. And I'll accept that. And I want to confess that. In verse 6, we see something that maybe we don't want to do very much. In verse 6, it says, Behold, you, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know your wisdom. For the last 11 months, David had been living a lie. He had been acting like that everything was okay. On the outward appearance, when people would look at him, even though he was withering away, if you would, they would have thought everything was just okay. Maybe he's just on a diet or something. I don't know. But inside, we, we find that David was being miserable. David was not happy on the inside. And, 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 he, and he comes to him and... And, and he says to God, he said, I, I know what you want, and you just want truth. You want me to speak truth. You want me to own up what I have done. You want me to be honest with you, God, because of the sin that I have, that I have done. How many times in our lives do we, do we want to pray and we want to confess, but we want to just beat around the bush, if you would? We don't really want to claim it. We don't want to really speak of it. We don't want to really tell God this. God, this is what I did. And we don't want to do that. David says, but God wants truth from us. God wants us to speak truth. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to examine ourselves like we should. We don't want to look at our sin because our, when we do, it makes us feel bad. And, and, and you hear this, that, that, that preachers preach on sin and, and, and people leave the back out that door and they go, man, I'm tired of hearing that stuff. I don't want to hear that stuff about sin. makes me feel bad. There's a church in Houston, the biggest congregation in America. And the pastor there never talks about sin, never uses the word sin because he said it makes people feel bad. And they walk out the door and they just don't feel uplifted. And I don't know how you can preach a gospel because, see, the gospel, there's two parts of the gospel. There's the bad news and the good news. And unless we understand that we are a sinner, we will never understand that we got to have a Savior. I don't understand that. God desires our truth. Any fool would not be honest with God. I urge you to be honest with God. I don't know how many times I've prayed, God, I don't want... To forgive that guy. <laughs> I, I don't want to love her. I, I don't want to do that, God. I just, God, I just don't. But, God, you've asked me to do that. You've told me to do that. See, that's being honest with God. That's, just, that's being straight up with Him. God, there's times I just don't feel like it. I don't feel it, if you would. And if I didn't tell Him that, I'm not being honest with him. 
And guess who knows I'm not being honest with him? He does. Man, I urge you. I urge you. urge you. Man, be honest with David said. He said he just desires the truth from us. To speak the truth to him. Because you can't hide it. He already knows it. So, I would urge you as, as believers, man, don't try to fool God about your goodness because you're not going to fool Him. He knows. We see David's cleansing in verse, in verse 7 through 9. He says, he, and he's desire, he's not, he, does, he hates what he's been doing, and he says, Purify me with a hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Back in David's day in Leviticus, we read about, about how people were, were being cleansed, if you would, especially a leper. And if a, if a leper, uh, say, had it on his arm and, and it, he eventually got healed from that, he would have to go to the priest. And the priest at that point would, would take two birds and he'd kill one bird. And the Bible says in, in verse 6, they would sprinkle, sprinkle blood on the affected area. That was a sign that, that the area was now clean. And then they would release the other bird to fly off into the wilderness to have, to have life. And it was a picture of, of cleansing for this leper. And David would be saying in that verse, he's saying, you know, I am a spiritual leper. And he says, I want to be clean. I want to be purified. I want to, I want to be, get the joy, if you would, of my salvation back. You know, today we don't have to worry about killing a bird and sprinkling seven uh, uh, things of, of blood on our arm, do we? You know, all we need is what? The shed blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 9.14 says it this way, The blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hebrews 9.22 says this, All things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. David wanted to be cleansed from his sin. He wanted to be washed whiter than snow. And I just wonder, as David was writing that, if he, if he understood uh, Isaiah 1.18, where it says this, Though my sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be made like wool. That is forgiveness. That's what David wanted in his life, and that's what believers want in their life, to be cleansed from the dirt and the stain of sin so that we can be whiter than snow. David knew what it was like to be walking with the Lord. He knew what it was like to be walking away from the Lord. And he finally figured out in his life, you know, it's better to be walking towards him <laughs> than walking away from him. Because I'm a lot more happier. I've got a lot more joy when I'm pursuing him than when I am running away from him. David would know. David knew that only God could, could create that in him. Only God could wash him whiter than snow. Wow. The next thing that we see here that I want you to see in number four is David's commitment to holiness. And this is probably the best part. David's commitment to holiness. David has confessed he has been forgiven. He is repenting and turning away. And then he says, I want to be holy. I want to live a life. I want to get back to where I need to be. What a beautiful thing. I think many of us in our lives, that's where we want to be, 
is to get back where we are living a holy, righteous, upright life. So we look at verse 10. If we look at verse 10, and, and here, is his, here is his repentance, his turning away, and here is his heart's desire. He says, O oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. You know what's David saying? He said, I, I don't want to go back to the sinful lifestyle. I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. God created me a clean heart, created me a heart that has a desire to be obedient to you, God. That's what he's saying. Now, what a great prayer. Why would, why would we not want to pray that prayer in our lives? God, create in me a clean heart. Not a heart that runs to sin, but a heart that, that races to you, God. And that's what he's saying. Create in me a heart that doesn't desire the sin, but desires your presence in your life. God created me a clean heart. And then he says what? Give me a steadfast spirit. Father, give me a steadfast spirit. Father, give me a, 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 a spirit that says when temptation comes, I ain't going down that road. When something happens in my life and I get to choose what direction I want to go, if I want to go here, I want to go here, God, give me a steadfastness. Give me an encouragement. Give me that motivation, God, that I need to resist the road that you don't want me on. Steadfast spirit. Yeah, I know when I was growing up as a kid, I can almost remember some of that part of it. And we were a teenager. And, 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 and they talked about being, you know, you, you go into, uh, teenagers have struggle with things. And, and they have parties to go to. And they have friends to be around. And, and, and they, have to go, they get to go to different places. And, and I remember the guy telling me, and I, I still remember it today, you have to know before you get there how you're going to react. You got to know and decide now for later how you're going to act. That is a steadfast spirit. You got to decide today that I will walk in the presence of God and not walk down the road of temptation. That's what David's asking. I don't want to ever go there again, David would say. I don't want any part of that. And God, you, only you can get that for me. Verse 11, he says, Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Oh, my gosh. Is David saying he could lose his salvation because of his sin? Uh, no. I ain't what he's saying. He's saying, God, I don't want to lose your presence in my life. God, I don't want to lose your divine power in my life. God, I don't want to lose your favor, God. Father, don't, don't run away from me, God. Don't take the Holy Spirit away from me because I, I can't function as a believer without your presence, without your favor, without your strength, without your Holy Spirit in my life. I can't do it. I mean, is he not crying out? Is he saying, I, I'm repenting, I'm going away. I've got to have you, God, in my life. I've got to have a whole bunch of you in my life, God. And Father, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Because if you do, David's saying, I cannot function in the Christian world because I have no power. What a cry. What a repentance. 
what a restoration he's crying for. And then in verse 12, the key verse, I guess you might say, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's great to be a Christian. It's great to be a Christian. It's great to know that we can walk the Christian life, that we can have eternal power and eternal security, and we can depend upon God for everything in our life. And David was missing that, wasn't he? He didn't have that. He's a miserable kind of a guy because of his unconfessed sin. And he's asking God to do what? I want that joy back. I want that peace back. I want to feel your presence, God. God, I want to, I want to be able to come to you and I want to pray <laughs> and not be embarrassed coming to you. Anybody ever done that one? Yeah. And he says, restore that joy. Restore that peace. He said, I want that back. I know what it was like when, I, when, when you and I were on the same page and the same team. I want that back. I want that back. And he says, I, I want you to give me a willing spirit. I want you to give me a spirit that says, I want to, I want to be obedient to you. Did you know? Sin and joy cannot occupy the same heart. Think about that. Sin and joy cannot occupy the same heart. It's impossible. Do you want to have a heart full of sin? Or do you want to have a heart full of joy? David tried the sin part. didn't work for him. I suggest to you, if you try the sin part, it won't work for you either. Because it can't fit into a heart that wants joy. Hmm. Do you want that willing spirit? Do you want God to strengthen you? I think you do. And then we see in verse 13, real quickly, and I'll be done. He said, after he has been confessed, after he's been forgiven, he has now been restored because he's getting that joy back into his life. Look what he says in 13 he'll do. He says, I'll tell everybody. <laughs> I will tell folks about what, what you've done for, God, for me, God. I will be a witness to you, God, and other people will see the light that I'm, I'm sharing with them. And it says in, in the last part of there, and sinners will be converted because of what you did in my life. Now, what an awesome God. What a, what a thing that David is saying. He said, said I, just, I just want you, God. And God, because you have changed me, I want to tell somebody else the good news of what you've done. God, I went through this, and I've come on the other side. It was for my good. Yes, God. But God, it's also for your glory. And David would say, I'm re- I, my, my faith is restored. My joy is restored. And there's only one reason why that has happened. And it's because of you, God. David saw it, didn't he? David figured it out. And he said, I've been forgiven. I've been restored. 16 and 17 He just tells us how we are to come to the Lord when we have unconfessed sin in our life. David would say, God, you know, God doesn't want your burnt offerings. God doesn't want your sacrifices. God doesn't want you. Don't get me wrong here. God doesn't want your ties. Now, we might, but, but God doesn't want your ties. He doesn't want you teaching in Sunday school. He doesn't want you doing all this kind of stuff. Those are all good. But what does he want? 
The Bible says he wants a broken-hearted, humble, contrite heart. And when we come to him, that's how we come to him. Not with pride and not with arrogance. Not with we're somebody. He says, I want you to come broken over your sin. I want you to come humble over your sin, contrite over your sin. And he says, God can now take that and he can do something with it. But he can't do anything with your pride and your arrogance and your boastfulness. He doesn't want any of that. 17, that's what it says. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. What can we learn from this chapter? What can we learn from, from David's life that we can apply it to our lives? And that's, that, that's why we've, we've done this today. What, what does it mean to us, if you would? Okay. I think the first thing that we can see, unconfessed sin will bring heartache, pain, and consequences. Unconfessed sin will do that. Did it to David, it'll do it to you, and it'll do it to me when we refuse to confess. Unconfessed sin needs to be dealt with immediately. Don't let them pile up. Don't let them stack up. Don't let them clog the drain, if you would, immediately. Boy, I, man, I shouldn't have said that. God, I, I, I confess I said that. God, I thought that. Do it immediately. It says to be truthful and honest with the Lord. Because he knows. Be truthful and honest with the Lord. Ask him to create a clean heart and a willing spirit or a steadfast spirit, either one. God created me a, a clean heart. So I, my, my heart and my passion is for you and not for the way of the world. And he'll give that to you. Did you know that? It says, thank God for confession, forgiveness, and restoration. I mean, that's a big deal. <laughs> okay? confession, forgiveness, and he just doesn't stop there, does he? He says, restoration, you have been restored. And David said, I've been restored, and I'm going to tell everybody I've been restored. I have confessed, I've been forgiven, I am now restored back to where I need to be, in a sense, in the family of God. First John 1, one night, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You know, the beauty of, of, of this and the beauty of David's life and the beauty of what God did is that, is, is that God still loved David. Did you know that? Even though he took a path that was way out of the way, God still loved him. God still forgave him. God still blessed him later on down the road. God restored him, if you would, to service. Isn't that just awesome? God wasn't out to get him. God could have zapped him right there. But he says, you know, I love him. I forgive him. I'm going to restore him back to where he needs to be. And the same God that did that for David will do that for you, believer, Christian. Did you know that? If you're wandering down a path of unconfessed sin in your life and... and and, and I don't know it, but you do. I can tell you, you do. Because that's conviction of the Holy Spirit. What does he want you to do? He wants you, man, just to come to him. Humbly come to him with a heart that is broken over your sin. And, and confess. And then after you confess, you're going to repent of that sin. 
and you'll be restored to go about your business as a strong Christian believer. And the other beauty of part of this of, of this lesson is that's, that applies to an unbeliever, somebody that's never, ever, ever been born again. The same formula will work for them. Did you know it? The same thing David did, who was a man after his own, God's own heart, will work for the, the vilest offender, the biggest sinner. What does that mean? He said, just come and confess that you are a sinner. Repent of those sins. I will forgive you for an eternity, and I will restore you. I will make you a new person. I will give you a new plan, a new priority, a new passion, and a new purpose. If you'll just come to me, humbly seeking my face. That's the beauty of God. Did you know it? I'm so thankful that God's in the business of forgiveness. I'm so thankful that God allowed his son to come and die on a cross just for us so I can receive that forgiveness. Can you imagine how miserable David would have been the rest of his life if there's no forgiveness? I can't imagine how miserable you will be, I would be, if there was no forgiveness of sin. God is your friend. He's not hanging over your head wanting to beat you up because you failed. What does he want? He says... Y'all come to me. All who are weak and heavy laden with your sin and do what? He said, I'll give you rest. What a great God that we serve. What a super Savior that we have trusted our lives with. If you are a believer and you are stacking up your sin because you don't want to be honest with God, today's the day to be honest with God. Let him clean you, cleanse you up. Let him wash you, get the dirt, that stain of sin off of you. And let him forgive you and let him restore you. As we bow our heads and close our eyes during the invitation time. That's the message today. That God loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you. Your eternal security is fine. But your fellowship is clogged up. If you want your fellowship open back up. Confess those sins to Him one by one. If you've never been born again, same formula. Confess your sins. Come to Him today. As the piano plays, I'm going to ask you to do business with God. If He is bringing to your mind a sin or sins, confess those one by one. Repent of those. Turn from those. Let Him clean up your heart. Let Him get you back to the joy of your salvation. All right, as a piano plays, do business, please. I beg you. altars are open if you want to come.
One more verse, if you would. If God is convicting you of something, do something about it today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, just a just a note. Uh, Joe Franco came up to me, and he said, "You know, it's been a been a long time since I confessed uh, Christ as my Savior." He said, "I've been a believer years," and he said, "You know, I just want to come talk to you, Don, and just tell you that that I have uh, been born again, and that I want people to know I've been born again." And he said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel." I'm not ashamed of my Savior. What a testimony. Joe doesn't have to do that. Joe's been saved for a long time. And he said, you know, I just want everybody to know that it's been a while before, since I've told people that I've been born again. He just made my day, Joe. Just made my day, brother. Let's pray. Father God, we uh, come to you seeking your presence again. Father, we thank you for the service, God. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Father, I pray that you will just bring conviction in our lives, Father, when we have, have failed you, Father, when we have sinned. Father, I pray that every person in here has a desire for you to create in them a pure and a clean heart. And a willing and a steadfast spirit says that, that God, when temptation comes and when I want to say that, I want to thank that, God, that you halt me, God, you stop me from that so I can keep my heart pure. Father, if there's people in here that have unconfessed sin. Father, I, I pray your Holy Spirit will, will show them uh, those sins that need to be confessed. Father, show them, God, that, uh, where we have failed. Father, I, I, I pray that for them and I pray that for myself, God, that I'll have a pure and a clean heart so that I can begin to, to grasp and have my joy restored because of the salvation that you have given to me. Father, we love you. Thank you. I pray this will be an encouragement, God to us. Father, I pray that you would just take this message, God, and just as, as, we, as folks walk out that door that we just don't forget it, that you will just burn it into our lives every day, God, that we need to be a people of, of confession. We might have salvation and we might have eternal security. Father, I want to have fellowship with you in a, in a higher level. So, Father, that is my prayer for myself and a prayer for our church, God, that we will begin to walk a little closer to you want to know a little bit more about you, to be, to be a little bit stronger, Father, in our faith. That's my prayer. Father, in your name I pray these things. Amen.